0: Welcome to the Christian Faith Center podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Here's a message from one of our pastors. How many of you have been keeping those that have made resolutions? Ha- has anyone been keeping up with the res- resolution so far? Okay. The, uh, some of you are like, no, Nick, I didn't, and I'm really sorry. It's okay. It's hard, right? It's hard to start something new. It's hard to try to change a habit you know, we, we, you know, you might know this, it takes 66 days to build a habit, and it takes one leftover piece of chocolate from Christmas to break the habit that you've been trying to work so hard on for 30-something days, and yeah, it's, it's challenging, but it's, it's all good. And I know that um, the, the series that we're starting today that I'm going to be doing is about, it's called New. Um, it's just called New. It's a simple series title for what I believe the Lord's going to show is a very profound meaning in our lives, because something new is not always easy. Something new is not always comfortable. Something new is not always something that's convenient. Uh, But new is very, very needed in our lives. And and that's something that I think the Lord is going to show us today. So if you have your Bible, if you can open up to Galatians chapter 6. Habits are hard. Routines are hard to be able to do these things. There we go. Uh, so today's message is titled specifically, A New Start. So we're talking about new. We're talking about the new that God wants to do in our lives. Um, so today's message is specifically titled, The New Start That God Wants to Do For Us. And in Galatians chapter 6, um, you know, Paul is writing to the church. This is one of the first uh, letters he's actually wrote. It was written in about 48 AD. So you've got to figure, it's like 15 years after the resurrection of Jesus. This is a very relevant and recent letter in regards to Christ being on the earth and so Paul was sick and he's he's the Galatian church took him in and he has this great affection towards them and they took care of him and he ministered to them and they they really grabbed hold of the gospel message really quickly they got excited about it they were passionate about it and then these Judaizers come in and they were just people that were trying to reinstill Old Testament values in the New Testament church that they were trying to uh, say yeah you are saved by grace through Jesus but you have to keep the Old Testament law. And it was this mixing that Paul, Paul understood that if this, left, this was left unchecked, if this was not put into its right place, this was going to be devastating for the church. It was going to be devastating for the church. It was going to be devastating for the gospel message that Paul had been preaching to them it was going to be devastating for them to, to grab hold of the gospel message because the grace of God is about nothing that we do. It's all about what Christ did. And now we have these Judaizers coming in saying, well, yes, it's about Jesus, but then you also have to keep these Old Testament laws, these Old Testament traditions, these these specific acts like circumcision. And, and they used examples from like Abraham because God gave this covenant uh, act of circumcision through Abraham way, way back when. And, and so these Judaizers are trying to use this to say, yeah, but you see, Abraham was saved because he did this. He gave us this thing that's part of the promise between us and God. And, and Paul's trying to write this letter. He's writing this letter, and he does, and he shows them it. It's not about that. It's not about that act. It's not about what you can do to get God's goodness in your life. It's just about obedience and accepting. See, the Old Testament was you do, you get. The New Testament is you got, so you do. Very different. And in in the world we live in today, that's very different. Uh, contrary to what the world says, if you want, you have to do. If you want a good job, you got to work for it. If you want to raise, you got to earn it. If you want a better status, you have to show you're worthy of that status. The kingdom of God is like, you want it, you got it, now go do. There's, there's no other place in existence where we can be grafted into this family and immediately be given uh, heirship and inheritance that Christ has, or that this, the firstborn would have. That's what the Bible says that, that we have. So in Galatians chapter 6, let's look at verse 15 here. It says, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but a new creation avails. In the Amplified it says it this way, For neither is circumcision anything of any importance, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, which is the what? The result of a, new, of a new birth, a spiritual transformation, and a new nature in Christ Jesus. See, Paul wasn't saying that it wasn't important, but really what he's saying, it's, 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 it's of no importance in, in respect to what? The new creation that God wants us to be. What you do or what you don't do doesn't matter because when you realize who you are in Christ, it'll change what you have to do. It'll change how you think. But what, like what it says in Romans twelve two, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not something that takes place once and we're done. It's something that we have to continually be doing. See, so for some of us, this series might not be a, a new thing for us, but it might be a renewed thing that God wants to do in our lives. Because if we're not trusting in God for anything, are we trusting in God for something? It says by faith wait we we show that we are we are pleasing God. We how do we approve how do we please how do we be pleasing to God? It's with faith. Without faith it's what? It's impossible to please God. So I have to trust God that he is going to do a new thing in my life that is different than before, and that's what we're going to study in this series today. God wants to do a new thing in your life, something that is better than before, something that's from a different mold, a different form, it's a better quality, it's something that's so good that even the old things that might have been really good will pale in comparison to what God is going to do in your life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you for this new start that you've always given us, Lord, day after day, week after week, month after month, Father. You are a God of new beginnings. You are a God of fresh starts. You are a God that makes the impossible possible. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do here in this place. Lord, I pray that we have ears to hear and a heart to receive the truth that is found in your word today, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. See, our, our, here's the first main point we're going to study today. Our new, your new, my new comes by faith. And if you have a Bible, again, you're following along, let's look in Genesis chapter 12. Our new comes by faith. And in here, we're gonna read about Abram, as he's initially called. We later know him as Abraham. So if I say Abram or Abraham, you know what we're talking about. It's the same man, right? So here in Genesis chapter 12, we read about Abram, about how this is the beginning of his journey of faith This is the beginning where God calls him, God establishes him, God shares the promise that he has for him. He shares the new that is for Abram. Now when you study this, and that's what we're going to do, uh, you know, the Judaizers used this man to, to kind of help their argument. To say, well listen, Abraham was given the gift of circumcision. He was given this act that showed that this is how you do things that are pleasing to God. But we know that it's not that, and Paul writes, it's not the act, it's faith. He was counted righteous. Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith his trust in God, his expected hope that he had in the things of God. And when we study Genesis chapter 12, we're going to see that begin to unfold more and more. Look at verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. What an amazing, powerful promise that God gave to Abram. He says, listen, go out, leave your family, leave what you know, leave your heritage, leave everything you're comfortable with with, with, to a place I'm going to show you. He didn't give him the destination. He said, I'm going to show you the place. You got to just start going. And then the, the, the back end of it is this is a great thing because he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. Anyone that blesses you will be blessed, and anyone that curses you will be cursed. So he has this protection on him. And this is really the first part in scripture where we see the grace, well, the second part, the grace of God, the unmerited favor. Abraham at this point, Abram at this point did absolutely nothing to merit God's goodness. He knew of God, right? And we read now in Scripture, God comes to him and he says, listen, now you're going to be blessed. Now I'm giving you a chance to be faithful, to move forward and see this. Nick, you said second. Where's the first? Cain. Cain is the first example of seeing the grace of God. Unmerited favor of God. The first murderer gets a free pass to live, and in fact is protected. God marks his head and says, if anyone touches him, something worse is going to happen to them. That's the grace of God. From the beginning of time, we see the grace of God. Here we see the grace of God. He calls Abram and says, you are going to be blessed. Anyone that blesses you will be blessed. Anyone that curses you will be cursed. But this is the point we're going to talk about here. The first part in verse 1, where he says, get out and go. Not many of us would just get up and go someplace and not have any idea where we're going, right? Right? You, you, you get GPS direction someplace, you know where your destination is. If someone says, hey, we're going to go meet up someplace, you're not just going to start driving around and hope you figure out that where your friends are, your family are, you get there. It doesn't work like that. We know where we're going. We have the destination. And this is exactly what God is not doing with Abram. He's saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to get up and I want you to go. And what happens is he does just this. He packs up everything. He packs up his family, all of his belongings. He steps out in faith and he goes. He leaves what's comfortable. He leaves what he knows. He leaves what he's good at and he moves in faith. He's saying, go, just trust me. It's going to be all right. And see, so many times we're focused on the destination that we miss the journey. See, we can't just focus on the destination. We have to seek the journey, not the destination. Because there are things along the journey that God wants for us that we can learn, that we can bless other people, that if I'm just focused on the destination, I'm going to miss out on so much. Because it, think of it this way. If, if God wants us to focus on the destination, we would get born again and then instantly die, right? Why? Because then you know you're going to heaven right away. That's, what's the, ult- the end goal? is eternity with, with God in heaven. What an amazing, amazing goal. But God doesn't want you to drop dead right now and go right to heaven. He wants you to live a long and blessed life because why? We have to seek this journey that God has and not the destination. Can I tell you something? Personally, this is so hard for me. If you're not sure, ask, what, ask Cynthia what it's like to go on vacation with me, okay? Because you know what I am? I'm a go there, do it, and get back kind of guy. I want to know, anyone else like that? You, want, you, you Hard to enjoy vacations? My father raises his hand, right? Because that's kind of where I got this from. I know if I'm going to the airport, my, my main goal is getting through security and getting to the gate as fast as possible, and then I'll eat lunch, then I'll take a breather, then I'll relax, right? Because why? I want to get there. I want to know where I'm going, and I got to get there. Then, then I'm there, then whatever. We can do whatever you want to do. I'll get you a cookie. I'll get you some, some chilies to go, whatever, right? Once we're there, we're good. And it's challenging because on vacation, we're gonna go to the beach. Okay, let's go, good, boom, I'm at the beach. Okay, we're here. Five minutes. All right, let's go back to the let's go back to the hotel. We we hit the beach, we touched it, we hit the checkpoint, right? That's how I usually am. And so this is hard. This is hard for me. It's hard for me to, to enjoy the journey and not just focus on getting to the destination. Thank God I think God is working on me. I'm not sure. Ask Cynthia, she'll be honest with you, right? I don't know if God's if it's if it's getting there yet, but it's it's a work in progress. And, for us, it's so hard, right? Especially people like me. It's so hard to enjoy the journey and not just focus on the destination. See, we want GPS directions from God of what his plan is for us. And he's saying, no, just turn the key and go, and I'll give you directions. And that's challenging, right? Because you're like, well, Lord, do I make a turn here? Well, I want to know what the next couple five, I want to know the next five steps, five turns are. And he's like, just turn right. Lord, how, lord, okay what's next after i turn right do i turn left do i go straight what do we... keep going straight okay but then after that lord then what's the next couple right we want to know we want to know what the next many steps are in our journey with the lord and many times he's going to tell you what the next step is and just go and be faithful abraham abram didn't know what all what the final destination was he went he packed up everything to go to some place how many of you would pack up your house right now and just go someplace you don't know where yeah, that was the response I was imagining. No hands were raised, right? We don't do this, but, but what's the point here? He was taking a huge first step in a big new thing that God was going to do in his life. Huge first step. And if you look at verse four, what happens here? He departs. As the Lord spoke to him, the, God tells him, go, and that's exactly what he does. And it, Lot goes with them. and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. What's the big point here? Your faith? What God's going to do, the new that God wants to do in your life, has no age requirement. The new thing that God wants to do, it has no age requirement. He is 75 years old. He is a guy that's herding sheep and cattle. He's a good farmer. He's, collected, uh, he's collecting his, his social security at this point. He's enjoying life. There's no social securities back there. I was joking. He's enjoying, right? He's working hard. He's 75 years old. And now God says, well, now your journey with me is going to start. Now your new thing is going to start because there is no age requirement for for responding in faith, for for stepping into the plan that God has. There is one requirement, though, faith. Your response is determined by your faith. If you're trusting in God to do something big and then something big comes in front of you, then your response will be determined by your faith. If you want something big to come in front of you and, and you can't trust God for something small, you can miss what God has for you because your faith isn't there yet. Your faith's not there. Your understanding of faith. You might have more doubt and unbelief than you really do understanding of faith. But that's not what God wants. He wants you to hear. What is faith? Where does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Nick, you going to tell me to read my Bible? As I'm smiling. Yes! This is where the word of God comes into play. Because if you don't know what's in God's word, it's hard to know if it's from God. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Because we know the Holy Spirit talks to us. We know that we talked about this. It sounds like you, okay, but it will glorify God and will be aligned with Scripture. He's not going to tell you to go cheat on your wife. He's not going to tell you to go rob the convenience store across the street because you need money. He's not going to tell you those things. He'll tell you to go talk to that person and see if they have work for you. That's what, really, yeah, that's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll give you practical things that will never go against the natural law, that will never break laws and, and be a, a bad thing to do. It's always going to align with that. It will always align with Scripture. And so what happens is you have to, be, you have, to have faith in God. You've got to trust in Him. You have to hear by, by digging into the Word. And our response will reflect our revelation. Abraham's response was reflected by his revelation, He knew who God was. And look at this, verse 5. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had. They gathered and all the people whom they acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. That's powerful. Our response to the new that God wants to do has to be an all-in response. I'll say that again. Our our response to what God has for us has to be an all-in response. That's a term used in poker. I'm never a big poker guy. I went and played one time in my life. I went all in. I had a bad hand and I lost. And I never played poker again. Right? Anyone ever do that? You think you know how to play poker? You're like, I'm just going to put it all in on the table. I had a terrible hand and I lost and I walked away very upset. Okay. But Abram had an all in response. He did not leave anything behind. He was so confident in the God that he served that when God said go, he took everything he had to go. Because he trusted God. Because he knew that the new thing that God was going to do in his life was going to be better than where he currently was. Because the new thing that God wants to do in our lives is better than what we're currently experiencing now. Amen? Amen. The new thing that God wants to do. And it's something it starts with, the new thing that God wants to do starts by taking that step of faith. He says, go. You don't leave stuff behind as a contingency plan because you're not really moving in faith. You're going, okay, Lord, you want me to go? I'm packing up everything and I'm going. Now, here's where people get into trouble. They think they hear the voice of God, they don't. That's why it's so important, right? People that get stuck, they get into bad situations, they think they hear the voice of God, and it's not. It's their own personal desires, their own personal will. And that's why we have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. God will never do something that will jeopardize your family, your safety, your health, any of the good things that he's blessed you with to prove a point. He'll make sure you're prepared before you do it. Abram had everything he needed for the journey before he set off for the journey. He trusted God and goes, Lord, this is what you want. This is something new. Great. I'm going to pack up everything and I'm going to go and I'm going to follow you. Next main point we're going to talk about is this. We have to let go to receive the new. Now, I'm not saying you have to let go of everything, but turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Abram was willing to let go of something. He was willing to let go of what he knew. Like it says, leave your house, your father's house, right? his inheritance, his legacy that was there at Haran. He said, leave everything and go. He was willing to leave all of that behind to follow the plan that God had for him. That's what he did. That's exactly what happened. And and so many times we might be afraid to start something new um, because it's nice to be good at what you know, right? You feel comfortable when you're doing something that you know. If I tell you, all right, here's a new instrument, right? You're going to join the worship team. Here's a saxophone. You've never played saxophone in your life. And I tell you, good, here it is. You're playing next week. You might be a little nervous to jump on stage, right? <laughs> right? Weird sounds come out. You don't know how to hold the thing. You're just like hoping you can kind of wing it. And Kevin plays like a saxophone backup track through the PA system. You're hoping like something good comes out of it, right? Right? Because it's something new, it's something scary, it's something that's different before. And many times the new holds us back from what God wants to do because we're scared of the challenge that's in front of us by tackling the new thing. Some of, us want to have, some of us have had success and so we don't want to do the new. Some of us are gripped by failure and can't do the new because we're so wrapped up in the failure that we've experienced, it's hard to step out in faith and trust God in the new thing that he wants to do. Didn't expect a lot of amens, and that's okay, but I see a lot of head nods, so I'm glad you're listening and you're awake here, right? It's true. It's true. The new is always scary. The new is always challenging, and that's why when we trust in God, when we have faith in his promises, when we hear his word, when we know what he's like, when we know his nature, when we know his heart, it's easy to step out into faith. Look at what Isaiah says here in chapter 43. This is the word the Lord gave Isaiah. He's telling Israel, he's saying, listen, verse 18, Isaiah 43, verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Look at this again. He says, he says, he's telling them, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now let's stop for just a minute as this verse is up here. Let this kind of sit in for a minute. What are the old things or the former things that Israel was remembering? Well, a lot. The fact that they were you know, Babylonian slaves and now they're free. that They're no longer slaves to the Babylonians. They remember that. Is that a bad thing? No, it's actually a very, very good thing. They remember the fact that they were slaves and now they are not slaves. What else do they remember? They remember the fact that as the Egyptians were chasing them, God parted the Red Sea and they walked straight through on dry land. Is that a bad thing or a good thing? It's a very, very good thing. They're, They're remembering how God made a way when there seems to be no way. He made an impossible situation possible by parting the seas. What else? They remember Passover. It's a big celebration. We, we honor it too. We recognize it. It's an important day. What was Passover? Passover was the night that the angel of death passed over them, right? because they killed a, a precious lamb, they spread the blood over the doorpost, and because the blood of that little animal was on their door, death passed over them. What a miraculous event that took place in their lives. Was that a bad thing or a good thing? That was a really good thing. So you look at this verse and you think about what is Isaiah telling him. He's saying them, look, God has brought you through a lot of really good, a lot of bad situations by being a very good God. He's made a way when there wasn't a way. He protected you because you were obedient and sacrificed an animal. He, he free, he set you, he literally set you free from captivity. He's done all of these things. He's given you a land that he promised to give to you. These are all really, really good things. Forget them. Why? Why is he telling them to forget them? Because what's next is better than what happened. Listen, look at verse 19. Well, this, this is why. The good that God wants to do will far outweigh the, the, the good that God's going to do in your future. This is why he wanted them to forget. Because the good that God wants to do in your future will far outweigh the good that was done in the past. See, the good things that happened were awesome. God wants to do something better in your future. He's telling them, listen, you had all these really great experiences. You you crossed the Red Sea on dry land, you, you were able to, you were set free, you were passed over by death. All these things are great. Forget them, God's gonna do something better in the future. Because the good that God wants to do in our future, the new thing he wants to do in our future, is way better than what happened in the past. Because why? Look at verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Can we say that together? I will do a new thing. Because you know what? God wants us, to, even the good stuff. He says, that happened, great. Don't, don't focus on that. Don't, don't dwell on that. Don't teach about it. Don't examine it. Don't, don't dig into it. Don't just focus on the old good things that happened. I'm going to do a new thing, a better thing. And it's going to spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. What a great promise. Again, we see that God is the God of the impossible. Rivers don't naturally occur in a desert because it's a desert. A road in the wilderness, right? A wilderness is like a harsh environment. It's chaotic. It's overrun. It's hard to pass through. It could be like a very, very deep, dense, foresty jungle. But when I was studying this, I envisioned the wilderness of a vast desert and how if you're in the middle of a desert, you're in the middle of that wilderness, it's kind of hard to figure out where to go, right? If you don't know how to read the stars, you don't know the landscape, if everything just looks like a flat environment in that wilderness, it's hard to figure out where you have to go. But what does he do? He makes a road in the wilderness and shows you where to go. He, in, in an area that you're parched and dry and thirsty and just desiring a drink of water, he'll make a river running through that dry place. Shall you not know it? Shall you not know it? Don't you get it? I feel like that's what, what God's saying in Bloomfield. Don't you get it? Bloomfield's translation. Don't you get it? Shall you not know it? Because what? God wants us to know. He wants us to know this truth. He wants us to know that he wants to do a new thing in your life. He wants you to know that it's going to spring forth like a plant, like a seed that's been planted in the ground, that once the seed's there, you trust it. the ground is good. You get rid of the weeds. You water it. You take care. You trust that it's going to grow. And what happens? It grows. It's going to spring forth little sprout pops up. It's going to spring forth. The new thing, once it's planted, and it's been planted in your heart for a long time, God has given you de- desires in your heart that, you've, that some of you have been starting to go after. He's going to even amplify it even more. He's given you passion. He's given you purpose. He's given you plan. He wants you to use that for his glory. You're going to be a, you're going to be a manager? Be the best manager you can be. When people ask you, why are you so successful? You could say, because I give God all the glory and all the honor in all that I do. Because I treat my employees the way Christ treats me. With love, with respect, that he's the ultimate servant king. I'm going to be a servant to these people that work under me. And I'm going to love them and cherish them. See, you don't don't have to be on a pulpit, right, on a stage and on a pulpit to preach the gospel. You can be wherever you are, and that is exactly what God wants you to do. He wants you, wherever you are, to be a light, to be salt, to show people the goodness and mercy of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and how we live. Shall it not, shall it spring forth? Now it'll spring forth. Now it'll spring forth. Shall you not know it? He's going to do a new thing. He's saying, I'm going to do, I'm doing, I am doing, I will do. It's happening, it's in the process, It started, it's continuing, it's going to keep on going. This new thing that's there, it's going to spring forth. And what, what God wants to do is so much better than what's already happened. He wants you to have a new relationship with him. Why? He makes all things new. He's doing a new thing. Even with your relationship with God, he wants to do a new thing. Even your relationship with your spouse, your, your marriages, your relationship with your families, he wants to do a new thing, a better thing. Even, even with your children, he wants to do a new thing. Even with your understanding of, of, of your mental health, of, of your physical health, he wants to do a new thing, a better thing than what was before. You might be doing great now, great. He wants to do a new thing, a better thing, even beyond what we can ask or imagine. That's what God wants to do in our lives. Behold, I will do a new thing. There's a the big connection between Between the the new thing, the road, and the river. There's a big connection between the new thing, the road, and the river. Because some of us feel stuck. We feel like we can't move, right? I feel like I'm stuck here, that nothing new is going to happen. I feel like I don't know where I'm going. I have no direction. I have no path. And I feel like there's a desire that I can never satisfy. I feel stuck. I feel lost. I feel thirsty. What we have to do is let go and let Jesus. Let go and let Jesus. Because every new thing that will last, that will have a, a longevity in your life, every good and new thing has to come from the source, and the source is Jesus. Jesus is the source of the new for all things. Turn to John chapter 4, please. John chapter 4. He wants to create a road in your wilderness, He wants to create a river in your desert. He doesn't want you to feel parched. He doesn't want you to feel thirsty. He doesn't want you to feel like you have to keep desiring more and more and more and are never satisfied. He wants you to be satisfied in Him. He's a road and a river. That's supernatural flowing in a dry land. How, how do you get a road in the wilderness? How do you get rivers in the desert? The only way to do either of those things is with Jesus. And I, as you're turning to John 4, it says in John 14, He's the road. I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the road. He's the way. He is the only way to get to the Father. He's the only way to find your God-given purpose and your God-given calling. Doing a personality test online or doing a job test online will not show you and reveal God's plan and purpose for you. Nick, why can't I, why can't I do it online? Because then there's no intimacy between you and God if it could be done online. Why can't someone just tell me? Because there's no intimacy between you and God if someone tells you. Because God wants you to talk to him. He wants you to converse with him. He wants you to walk with him in the cool of the day in the garden and just converse and just say, God, things are going great. God, things are going terrible. What do I do? Where do I go? What's my next step? And he like, says, well, go there and just keep walking. I'll, I'll trust me. I'll help you. That's what he wants. Because why? He's the road. He's the way. He made, he's made a way for us so many times up until now. Think of all the ways that God has made, that Jesus has made for you. He made, you, made a way for salvation. You're saved, you're not going to hell anymore. Praise God for that, you're going to heaven. He made a way for you. He made a way for you to have a relationship with, with God Almighty, the creator of the universe. He has created a way for you to have relationship with God. He's created a way to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us and restore us. He made a way for all of those things, all of those things that we could never do on our own. So now the things that God wants to do, he can help us do. Amen? Amen? He's the road. He's also the water. And in John chapter 4 here, many of us know this passage. Jesus says in, in verse 1, and he, before we're going to read verse 10 here, but in John, in John chapter 4, he says, we're, we're going to go to Galilee, but I need to go through Samaria. He says that. I need to go is how it's translated in New King James. I need to go through Samaria. Now back then, that was not something that Jews did. Samarians and the Jewish people were, were like at opposite ends of, of, of being nice to each other. They, they didn't like it. They didn't converse with the Samaritans. They, they didn't have any dealings with them. So when Jesus talks about the good Samaritan, the parable of that to these Jewish leaders, that was like an insult to them. Oh, how dare that so the Samaritans would never do that to us. Because there was this animosity between the two. So now Jesus tells the disciples in the first couple of verses, we, we need to go. We have to go through Samaria. I need to go through Samaria. Because he needed to have an encounter with a woman at a well. He needed to have this encounter. Just like he needs to have and wants to have an encounter with you. Just like he needs to have and wants to have an encounter with me. Not just like a religious kind of encounter, like you come here, you enjoy the worship and the the word, and you feel encouraged. He wants you to have an intimate one-on-one conversation, just like Jesus had with the woman at the well. He wants to talk to you and go, son, daughter, I love you. Son and daughter, I'm not happy about this, but son and daughter, I know that you can do this and I've called you for this. That's what he wants to do. He needs to talk to you. Just like he needed to go through Samaria, he needed to talk to this woman at the well. And that's exactly what he does. And he goes there, he meets her, and he just blows the doors open with what he knows about her, right? Does your husband know you're here? No. He goes, yeah, well, I know because this is not the, the first one you've had and the one you're with now is not your husband and I know these things and she's blown away. Look at verse 10 here. So now she's like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. He says, Give me a drink. And now she goes, I'm not to draw with. And Jesus says, Listen. If answered, it said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11 says, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? He says, Verse 12, Are you greater? She says, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as we have? as well as his sons and the livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. That's what Jesus is. He's the river in the desert. He's a fountain of living water springing up that gives us eternal life. We know this, right? And here's the response. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. See, that was that was that was the wrong response. That was the wrong response. He's talking about eternal water that's going to spring up and make you never thirst. Physically, it's impossible to never thirst. Spiritually, it's possible for you and I to never thirst again. Spiritually, it's possible. Physically, it's impossible. See, this woman only looked on the physical part of the situation. She's like, well, great. You're going to make my life easy. You're going to make me not thirsty anymore. I'm down for that. That's not what it was. See, Jesus never says he's going to give us a life that's completely easy, but he's going to give us a life that's overflowing. See, when you feel dry internally, the spring's going to keep bubbling up and pouring out. You're going to feel satisfied. Even when things aren't perfect, you're still going to have that spring of life inside of you that's going to spring up and make you satisfied when you realize who's inside of you because that's what Jesus wants. It's more than just making life easier. It's eternal fulfillment. It's eternal fulfillment that's taking place. That's what he wants for us. See, our new always starts with Jesus. Just like Isaiah says to Israel, forget the former, right? Behold the new. Something is going to spring forth. It's going to be like water in the desert, right? Or a path in the wilderness. That's what Isaiah said to Israel. Now what's Jesus telling this woman? Forget your old way of life. Behold the new. Something's springing up inside of you and it's going to satisfy you. And she missed it. Just like Israel missed it. Could you imagine what was the new thing that God could possibly do that was better than parting the Red Sea Passover, freedom from slavery, and getting in a, a promised land from God. What, was, what could God possibly have done? I don't know, but if they were obedient, they would have found out. The good that God has done in your life so far will pale in comparison to the good that God is going to do in your future if you let him. If you let him. If you let him, because why? You have to step out in faith. You have to forget the, even the good things and just focus on what God has in front of you. You have to trust him. You have to, you have to believe in him. And it, and it all starts with Jesus. Because this world will leave you thirsty. Everything in this world is desired to make you thirsty. Gatorade is made to make you thirsty. Oh, no, it's not, Nick. Yes, there is salt in it. That's what the electrolytes are. It's salt. So you drink it and you you sweat it out. You are thirsty again. And so what do you do? Well, you logically will get more Gatorade. What a scam. Yeah, most of the things in the world are a scam like that. That's kind of how the world works, right? So what happens is you want more because why? You feel like you're quenched, but then you have to go out and drink some more because why? Because you're never satisfied. The things in this world will never satisfy us like the living water that Jesus provides. We'll never do it. You can sure try, and there have been many people that have tried, but it will never satisfy you like Jesus will. The new thing that you might want to do, reinvent yourself, start something new. Hey, listen, that's great. But if Jesus is not the center of it, it's never going to satisfy you. You can move thousands of times and never feel like you're at home if you don't have a home with Jesus. You can change jobs many times. You can get all the way up and be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and still never feel like you made it if Jesus isn't the center of your universe. Why do, I, why do all these celebrities crash and burn? Why do all these, why are these celebrities have millions of dollars depressed, hooked on drugs? Why? Because there's a desire, there's, there's this, this thing that never satisfies them on the inside. Never, like Jesus does. And so what happens? They don't have Jesus, they don't have peace, right? There's old, old t-shirts back when I was younger. It said, no Jesus, N-O, right? No Jesus, N-O, no peace. But then it said, no Jesus, K-N-O-D-O, K-N-O-W, right? know Jesus you know peace if you don't have Jesus you don't have peace if you know of Jesus you know peace it's a simple simple formula there but so many people miss it so many of us miss it because we don't let Jesus do the new thing that he wants to do in our lives Lord I'm kind of content right here I don't want to branch out further than I need to just trust God and do it. Take a step of faith. Trust him like Abraham. Go all in. Don't leave anything back. Forget the old things, even if they were good. Especially forget them if they were bad. And move on to what God has for you in the future, right? How many of you hate the Facebook feature this day, seven years ago, nine years ago, ten years ago? Anyone else hate that like I do? Thanks, the one person that's honest in here. Appreciate it. Facebook has this feature that if you're on Facebook and you keep posting things periodically, it'll then tell you years down the road, oh, this is what you did this day eight years ago. Thanks, Thanks Facebook. I looked a lot younger eight years ago, ten years ago, right? Right? Some of us hate those things. It's like, great, thanks for bringing up that, that old thing, that, the waste of money that I did. Why was I spending so much money on paintball? I spent tons of money on paintball. What a waste. I'm good now at it, though, so that's the benefit of it. You go paintball and ask Trish, okay? She's crazy good, too. She didn't spend as much money as I did, but you think, of it like, why did I spend so much time on that? Oh, what a waste. Or you look back and go, man, those are the good old days, right? Photo albums, you open them up, you crank them open, you're like, oh, man, those are the good old days. Yeah, those were the good old days. God wants to do, have you, make you have good new days. Better new days coming down the road. Let's close here in the book of Revelation. How do we get our, Revelation 21. Revelation 21, please. How do we get our new start? It comes by faith. Comes when we let go of the past, if it's good or bad. And the, the new start only comes through Jesus. Simple. Only comes through Jesus. Forgetting the former things, forget the past things. Look at what he's going to do. He's going to do a new thing in your life. The new comes only through Jesus. He's the road in the wilderness. He is the way. He is the river in the desert. He is the one that that eternal water is going to spring forth inside of you. See, don't fear what God wants to do in your life. Don't fear. Don't be afraid of it. Nick, but what if that means I change something? Listen, if God wants to do something new in your life and he wants you to change something, change it, Right? I know that's hard. I know that's really tough. And it's hard for me. It's hard for all of us. But if God wants to do something new and he wants you to change something, it's going to be for your benefit. It's going to be for your blessing. It's going to be to further his kingdom and his call and his purpose in your life. That's good. It's challenging. It's tough. It's hard. But it's good. And it's what God wants. Revelation 21. Even in the last book in the scriptures, even in the end, of everything, in the end of eternity, in the end of, not eternity, in the end of existence, in the end of this world, even in the very end, even in Revelation chapter 21, there is still new that God has for us. Even in the end, there's still new. And that's powerful. This is gonna be amazing. Watch this. Look at verse one. Then Jesus says here, and then it says here, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. This is talking about the end of time where well, the world is just going to be wiped completely clean, and it's going to be a fresh slate. Look at verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down into heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So what's happening? God is now coming down, and this eternal reign on earth where we have direct fellowship one-to-one right there with God is going to take place. That's pretty powerful. Look at verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Like the song says, there will be a day with no more tears, no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, none of that. And until that day comes, we press on and do the will of God. Amen? That day's coming. That's a promised thing. It's nice to know the ending of the story before you get there. That's the ending. That's a really good ending to the story, right? To know one day you and I will stand before our Creator and there will be no more pain, tears, sorrow, none of that. No more death. It's going to be awesome. But look at this. Then he said, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things what? New. New. And he said to me, Write these, write, for these things are faithful. true, Because even at the end, they're still new. Even at the end, when there's a new Jerusalem, new heaven coming down on earth, and this new promise and this new existence that we're going to have, God even says, well, behold, I'm going to make all things new again. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountains of water of life freely to him who thirsts. Even at the end, we see the way. We see Jerusalem coming down. We see God is still making something new. We see again the idea of there's that fountain of water that's going to be freely given to anyone who thirsts. Because our new can only start with Jesus. Our new can only happen with Jesus is the center of everything. The the old has passed away. He says, behold, I make all things new. In your life, your old has passed away. He wants to make everything new. Be confident in what God wants to do in your life. Don't be scared. Don't be timid. Don't be shy. Be excited for what God is going to do in your life. There are so much things. Your, better, your best days are ahead of you. They are not behind you. You can either agree with that and receive it or not and miss out on what God has for you. You can either say, yeah, Nick, I agree with what the word says. I agree with what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. My best days are ahead because they are. And you're going to be blessed for it. And God gets the glory. Jesus knows that people are desiring more and more things that are never going to satisfy them. He knows that there are people trying to satisfy this this thirst, this, this desire, this hunger for more and will never find what they're looking for. He knows that no new on this earth will satisfy us like he will. And this is the revelation I got from this, is that, God, that Jesus doesn't want us to thirst. It's not very deep, no, but it's profound. Jesus doesn't want people to thirst. He doesn't want people to feel like no matter what I try to do, it keeps failing. No matter what I try, no matter a new job that I start, no matter what relationship I get into, everything fails, it fails, it fails. Jesus does not want that For anyone, he wants that thirst to be satisfied. He wants the confusion and chaos to have a clear path that shows you where to go. He wants you to have this this water, this spring of, of water flowing, of life flowing from the inside of you through the Holy Spirit. He wants these things because he loves us, because he cares for us, because he died for us. He doesn't want anyone to feel unsatisfied. He doesn't want anyone to feel thirsty and feel like they're in a desert and feel like there's no water around. He's saying, I am that drink that you need. I am the way. I am that road that you need to follow. I am the one that will give you new life. I'm the one that will give you life more abundantly than anything you can ever ask or imagine. That's his desire for all of us. And when we let Jesus be the center, we let him be the thing that drives the new in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you for the new thing that you're going to start in our lives. Father, we thank you that the new that you have for us, Lord, we receive it that we won't remember, we won't hold on to the former things, Lord. We're going to grab on and hold on to the new thing that you're going to do in our lives. Father, I pray that each and every one of us right now hearing this, each and every one of us have a desire to discover the new things that you have for us to desire the new things that you want for us, to desire the things that are of you, that are from you, Father, that, that if we're thirsty, if we're desiring, we, we have this unquenchable, this, this, this thirst, Lord, that we are satisfied in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now listen, we always, we always offer this invitation if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the King of your life, because he is a King of kings. He's a Lord of lords. He is the only way that you can be satisfied in the life that we're living here on earth. It's only through Jesus. If you've never made that commitment to follow Jesus, it's an invitation that he freely extends. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So we're going to say a prayer. We ask you to say it with us. So everyone say Jesus. Be my Lord. Be Lord. Be Be my Savior. Say, I believe. You died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive from the dead. Lord, live in me. Lord, work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you keep praying for just another moment? We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about the church or would like to support our ministry, head over to ChristianFaithCTR.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.